Hi, and welcome to Soul Care Podcast. We are so glad you're here with us today. I'm Kimberly Willis. And I am Jinder Reinick. We are joined by our soul care expert, Warren Lamb. Hi, glad to be here. We are here to talk about soul care, what it means, what it looks like, and the hope it can offer. Our desire with this podcast is to offer hope for battling some of the greatest struggles we face as humans, and to do so with love, kindness, grace, and prayer. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for this journey into the world of biblical soul care. Let's get started. Today, I'm delighted to have one of the most respected voices in the biblical counseling and soul care world as our guest on the Soul Care Podcast. It's an honor to get to speak with a man whose contributions to the Christian faith, especially in the realm of biblical counseling and soul care, are so extensive. He's been in gospel ministry for over 30 years and serves as one of the pastors at Cornerstone Community Church in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. That's in the Cleveland area. He's also an adjunct professor at Masters University in California, a certified biblical counselor and teaching fellow for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and a council board member of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. He also serves as editor for the popular Lifeline mini book series from Shepherd Press and blogs regularly at Counseling One Another, the Biblical Counseling Coalition, and Crosswalk. If you ask him about himself, he puts it simply, by God's grace, I'm a husband, dad, grandpa, and pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. I love Christ because he first loved me. He's humble, friendly, and approachable, and he's written or edited over 60 books and many books, including a small book for the hurting heart, the 31-day devotional anxiety, knowing God's peace. Then there's Counseling One Another, which is a mainstay in the biblical counseling and soul care world. And of course, his newest book, Remade, Embracing Your Complete Identity in Christ. So join me in welcoming Paul Takas to the Soul Care Hey, thanks so much, Warren. It's great to be with you today. I can't really adequately express my gratitude for your willingness to set aside time to be here today and just how open you were to the invitation when we got to meet in person uh, several weeks ago. Well, it's uh, quite an honor. I, I love talking with brothers and sisters who love God's word and love God's people and want to connect the two together. Yeah, I was really excited. We want to primarily talk about your new book, Remade, Experiencing Your Complete Identity in Christ. Identity in Christ is a, a key factor for all of us in uh, biblical counseling and soul care. And especially, as you know, um, in our day and age, when there's, there's so much uh, being bombarded into people's lives about what they should look like and what they should act like and what it means to achieve to be an achiever. Your book offers a refreshing and liberating perspective. Um, I, I think you've done a very effective job of reminding the readers that their identity is not found in their external circumstances or accomplishments, but in their relationship with Jesus Christ, which is what it's all about for us. So talk, talk a little bit about how this project developed and how it ended up coming to fruition, because this is different than a lot, a lot of what else you've written. It is. And it's just really, the publisher and I just continue to marvel. We've talked in person several times at the most recent three or four conferences this fall. And just how the hand of the Lord has been upon this book from the beginning. Because when I first sent a proposal in early 2020, it was for a different kind of book. It had some of the same content, but um, the publisher just didn't get all that excited about it. And, 
and he said, well, let's talk, you know, because I had already written the anxiety devotional for them and they were very pleased with that. I appreciated that they didn't just say, well, no, sorry, we don't like your idea, goodbye. You know, instead they said, let's talk. So I still remember where I was standing. I was standing in the, the garage of one of my married daughters. I was helping her husband refinish their hardwood floors. And I had this phone call uh, with Dave at PNR. And we just got to talking about um, just the importance of Christian identity. And in particular, this paradigm that we hear on and off in the biblical counseling world, the sinner, saint, sufferer triad. and we got to talking about that, and Mike Emlett has written on that in a couple of his books. Yeah. But there's really nothing uh, along that line for the average believer. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's ever been written on that subject um, has been for counselors. And, right. And that, that paradigm of the three lenses has helped me so much in my own walk with the Lord that um, in the course of our conversation, we thought this would be a, a direction to go. And so they asked me to rework a whole new proposal. And that started, you know, many conversations. And, you know, three years later, um, we're holding, you know, the product in our hands. So that's kind of how it came about. And I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, you know, those three lenses a little bit more. But I just kind of want to sure. give you an opportunity to respond to the yeah. Kind of the origin. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, that's that's something that's interesting. Um, As you and I talked when we got to meet in person several weeks ago, the 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 key thing that we continue to come back to, and like our mission, our mission statement and our ministry is First Thessalonians five fourteen. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to admonish the out of order. But then it says, encourage the faint-hearted, strengthen the weak, Mm. be patient with all. So there is there are three aspects, as you point out so well, to our makeup, um, and, and being able to address all three components of of how the challenges we face and and how do we walk through those things, I think is really really helpful. It's very unique and insightful because your emphasis on the threefold nature of Christian identity is is I think revolutionary, really, because. Like you said, what we have already is from the biblical counselor's perspective, but not from the everyday believer perspective. Right, right. And that's where I I really have, for many years, I have believed that because the biblical counseling mindset uh, kind of has always been a part of the DNA of my ministry, Mm. that I have seen, I've sensed from the Lord that um, he wants to use my writing to reach not just people who recognize that they need someone in their life to help them uh, to think through their struggles and learn how to respond in a Christ-like yeah. way, but uh, to help the average Christian uh, who is not really connected to these truths that are, I guess, they fall under the broad umbrella of progressive sanctification. Mm-hmm. So my passion, the passion of my ministry has always been to help believers to grow. Uh, of course, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with those who don't yet know Christ is is a part of that. But the, the really the dominating uh, mindset of my ministry from the beginning has been Colossians 
one mm -hmm. and we proclaim we proclaim christ so that one day um, we can present every man and woman complete in christ so the goal right. is how can i be used by the lord to help other believers to grow i think i was I was so blessed and, and sometimes I feel spoiled in that because compared to what other uh, believers got when they first came to know Christ, I mean, I, I got saved in the context of a home Bible study in mm -hmm. the Gospel of John. And, and then that uh, morphed into um, an 18-month discipling new believer kind of focus. And so I had this dear couple, Dick and Pat Adi, who opened their home, and then there were others involved in our group as well. Their life into me for a year and a half, and we went through a lot of basic Bible studies uh, to help new believers grow. Um, and and so I was from the beginning. I was blessed to be rooted and grounded in Christ. <laughs> and that is what I want to do for others. I want to root and ground them in Christ. And that, that really is what this new book is all about. Yeah. What's well, uh, it, it really is a, a an in, intriguing approach to uh, the core problem when we, you know, that whenever we look at a breakdown in a person's life, if we get down to the foundation of the problem, the very first key to the struggles that they have and the problems they have is a lack of a solid grasp on their identity in Christ. And if we don't start there, we really can't yeah. be much help to them. Exactly. Because, you know, we, I, our propensity from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, is to establish our worth and our identity apart from the Lord. I mean, that was part of Satan's temptation to Adam and Eve. To establish an independent identity uh, apart from the Creator, and so in when we come to know Christ, you know we come to know our Creator as our Redeemer, and we find that our identity is not something that we have to carry the burden to create, mm -hmm. but it's already been given to us, and yeah. and I think that's one of the one of the really uh, disturbing things about the identity culture mm. of the world today it places on the shoulders of a person and particularly children the weight of something that god never created us to be mm. strong enough to carry that is to determine our own identity instead god's word says this is who you are you're created mm. in the image of god beautifully and wonderfully designed by him according to his purposes and then when we get saved then on top of that foundation we have this new identity that says now you are in union with christ and everything all yeah. the riches that belong to the lord jesus now belong to you and now the goal of the christian life is to learn to put into practice what we already are by virtue of our position in Christ before God. Yeah, well said. And my, the tradition I was saved in, they would say, that preaches. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, it preaches because it's biblical. You know, it preaches no. because it, you know, it, it fits the apostolic pattern. And this is really yeah. part of the burden, too, is 
yeah. as I, you know, as the Lord led me into pastoral ministry over 30 years ago and again, began preaching through books of the Bible, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the New Testament epistles, you see this, this pattern over and over where the apostles say, essentially, this is who you are. Now start living according to who you are. Yeah. And that's yeah. a pretty, that's a pretty simple uh, <laughs> thought. No. But it's so profound that it'll take us our entire lifetime to even come close to actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it is that. Um, because that is the heart of authentic biblical theology and Christian theology mm. um, that gets gets muddled with all kinds of, you know, seven keys to this and ten steps to this. And, <laughs> yes. Right? Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right? We, it, we're, it, we're not unlike the Judaizers in the days, yeah. of, you know, when Paul wrote the, the book to the Galatians. Yeah. letter to the Galatians in that we we start out with Christ and then we get insecure and so then we start adding on top of Jesus all these other things like keeping the law or making up our own rules that we then fall uh, in bondage to and we don't experience the freedom in Christ that God designed us for and right. saved us for. Well, you probably teach this too, but when we look at, at the at the the phrase in Christ and its cognates, it occurs 164 times in the New Testament. It's the two word summary of the New Testament. So it's a key it's a key truth that we have to be able to lay hold of mm-hmm. because without it, we are completely lost. It's like um, I kind of joke. One of these days, I want to write a book that's a takeoff on the for little kids. Oh yeah, but are you my identity? And because it's kind of like that. That's everybody's, are you my identity? Are you my identity? Um, and and I, I'm really excited about this. Uh, in our counseling ministry, we do a lot of uh, work with people whose sense of identity has been just shattered by um, evils they've suffered, lies they've come to believe, yeah. unresolved sin. You know, I mean, so much the the sinner, saint, and sufferer theme that you have it's, it's really beautiful um what i really found uh, encouraging about it is the chapters are not very long and you have the at the end of each one talk to yourself talk to god talk to others so it's not just taking in information it's not a self-help book it's okay this this is the truth okay now speak this truth to yourself make sure you understand it now go to God and worship and in prayer and have an honest conversation with God. Now go to other believers. This is where the one and others get woven in together. Mm. Um, just a, it's just a novel approach, I think. Um, I'm a little envious. Why didn't I think of that? Because it's it, <laughs> you see it, it's like, well, duh. Yeah, it, again. Yeah, and again, it's just, it's really been the leading of the Lord. And as I've thought about how... Um, yeah. God has blessed me in in my yeah. own Christian growth to yeah. from the very early days to understand that God speaks to me through his word mm-hmm. I talk to him in prayer and I have to be involved in the fellowship of other believers so that I can grow so all those ingredients are necessary and yeah. 
Um, so following the pattern of the writer of Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, there is this aspect of speaking truth to ourselves because we are prone to believe lies uh, and even to create those lies. And then we need to talk to ourselves about that. So we need to correct our, our thinking with God's truth. Then we need to talk to God about that. But if we stop there, then Christian growth becomes really self-centered and self-serving. Um, and I miss out on the opportunity not only to help someone else grow, but to be helped by someone else who needs to be used by God to kind of rub the rough edges you know, off of yeah. me. And, and so I, I just hope and pray that God really uses this book to drive people back into his word and into a living, you know, relationship. Yeah. I was amazed to see uh, how quickly the stacks of remade disappeared at the conference. <laughs> I can remember the, 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 the day we met, I walked in, it was early. Um, you were helping get books all set up and this huge stack of remade, two stacks, as I recall. And by the end of the second day, I'm like, where'd they all go? You know, <laughs> it was it was amazing. Um, there's, there, man, there's so much here. It, it's um, it's a very unique and insightful devotional, I think. Because there's a lot of devotionals out there, and uh, they can they a lot of them they're they're not bad quality, but the voice is so similar. You bring a unique voice. It's very honest, very vulnerable, very relatable, um, because you're, you're sharing your your own journey, I guess, through this in a way that helps other people not feel so alone in this. It's not just me. I'm not the only one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that is one of the enemies, uh, one of the lies of the enemy. Um, is that we are alone and isolated. There's no one else in the history of the world who's ever struggled with this problem yeah. you know, that I have. And so I have to figure it out myself. And yeah. yet when we, get, when we get back into God's word and really immerse ourselves in God's word, we find that there is nothing new under the sun, as King Solomon said. And there is yeah. no temptation that is um, you know, not common to, to mm -hmm. mankind. And right. um, so the solution, of course, is in Christ. And so, yeah, that's yeah. why you know I lay out, laid out the book the way that I did as well, starting with the the biggest lens. I don't know if you want me to talk about those three lenses. Yeah, yeah. that might be helpful to the listener. So basically, yeah. what we're looking at is we're looking yeah. at uh, ourselves through three lenses. Um, the biggest of the lens is our new position in Christ. So that's what we are. We are saint, which means a, a holy one. We are set apart by God, for God, to God. Uh, this is the work of God in setting us apart for himself in Christ. So the moment we become a believer in Christ, um, then we are set apart uh, by God. That's our new position. And so we spend 30 chapters, 30 days looking through that big lens. That's the biggest of the three lens yeah. lenses, because that is primarily who we are. Yeah. 
so there we learn, you know, just the incredible riches of being, you know, justified by God and for God and being adopted into his family and uh, sealed, you know, by the spirit and, and redeemed and recreated by God for good works and, and on and on. And, and what that leads to then is the new calling that we have um, as believers which is a calling that leads to holiness. And so in the right. second part of the book, we deal with the sinner lens. How do we now look at ourselves through the saint lens, but we're still, we're still struggling with sins. So we're, we're yeah. saints first and foremost, but we're saints who still sin. And, and mm-hmm. so how do we look at ourselves and our sin struggles biblically so that we don't become so uh, disturbed by our sin struggles that, that our sin becomes our identity instead of Christ and his victory for us being um, really the fuel that helps us to continue to make progress in this work of sanctification that God began. Um, because if we look at ourselves just through the sinner lens, we're going to be really discouraged <laughs> a lot of days. You know, we're going to, we're all we're going to see is how far we fall short mm-hmm. of God's holiness. But yeah. if we look at ourselves as saints who still struggle with sin, yes, we will still be disturbed by our sin and we should be. The Holy Spirit will bother us about that. But we then don't lose sight of the fact that, wait a second. I am still a redeemed and loved child of God who can walk in the victory of Christ by walking in the spirit. And I don't well, those, have... those two things right there, Paul, I mean, really starting off with the saint lens to me is, is a remarkable approach because very often the, the approach that I've heard since I've been involved in biblical counseling, first started learning about it in 87. So it's been a minute. Mm. Um, and I've seen that primary focus be on the sin part, on the the old identity, if you will. But being able to say, no, this is who you are. We're going to start here. I think that's in- very encouraging and incredibly refreshing. Because then, then what you do is you say, so you're saying, yes, I fall into sin, but this is who I am. This is what. I've been involved in, but this is who I am. Back to the identity thing. Yeah. That's just incredibly powerful. It is because, again, you know, the lie of the enemy is, you know, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. So Satan loves to accuse us. And and we give him a lot of stuff to use to accuse us. Um, But one of the chief things he does is he gets us feeling defeated in our sin and that, well, there's no way I can change because this is who I am. And, and the gospel says, no, 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 that is not who you are. You are an exalted, loved, cherished child of God and, and Christ and the the indwelling spirit will give you the strength to persevere in this road to holiness. Yeah. There's one section in the first part that says an object of amazing love. Um, 
that is so powerful for people today because um, there's, you kind of touched on it. There's this toxic shame that people carry. They're just ashamed of being. Yes. And they, they, they're like, there's no, there's nothing good about them. But in Christ, you help. I think you help say no. In Christ, you 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 are a direct focus of His love. We yeah. deal with people in our ministry all the time that come from horribly broken backgrounds. You know, very destructive things that have taken place, and um, that message is so powerful for them. It's so encouraging, and they have a hard time receiving it. Right. Um, the idea that you were drawn to Jesus by the Father's kindness. It's the kindness of that seems backwards, doesn't it? It it does. It it seems like it ought to be the anger of God, you know. It's right. the wrath of God, you know. Um right. but it's not. I mean the wrath of God is real, but yeah. the kindness of God is what draws us to repentance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and, and even then uh, to kind of do a piggyback onto something you said. You know, shame is so powerful, mm-hmm. um, and and Satan just loves it when when we mm-hmm. get trapped in our shame. That's what one of my favorite chapters in the book is the one that uh, says that we are not uh, we are not ashamed. We are unashamed yeah. in the very presence of God, and the reason for that is because uh, Jesus took not only our sin on Himself on the mm-hmm. cross, but He also took all the shame that's connected to our sin and the ways that other people have sinned against us. Yeah. Yeah. There is something incredibly freeing about thinking about Jesus, not only as the sin bearing savior, but as the shame bearing savior. Yeah. Shame. We, we talk about the healthy shame that comes from God that leads us to repentance without regret resulting in salvation. And that's about what we've done. We we can be forgiven for what we've done, yeah. but the the toxic shame is about who I am. How do I get forgiven for being? Mm-hmm. And so the, the the switching that identity, I am what happened to me. It's my fault that this sin occurred in my life. That this I was harmed by this. That identity, this so powerful, so important. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely critical because we're not going to be able to help other people if we can't help them lay hold of this idea that of who they are in Christ first. Talk a little bit more about the, uh, the, the, the lens idea. You said the third one is the sufferer. Nobody wants to suffer. That's yeah. like, no, I'm entitled to a toilless and painless life, contrary yeah, to Genesis right. 3. Right. So talk a little bit about this, because there's a lot of suffering that people, you know, you know, the theodicy is, you know, how can God be, how can God exist or how can he be good if people are suffering like this? Yeah. Well, I think it, it has to start with believers having uh, an accurate theology of suffering. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the weaknesses in today's church. I yeah. don't think that we have done a good job teaching believers how to think rightly about suffering as a Christian. And I think that's one of the reasons why we struggle to respond to it in a way that really honors and glorifies Christ and and, and is filled with hope. It's still very grievous and painful. Um, and yet the way that we endure suffering as Christians is very different. And what really what really shifts our thinking and must shift our thinking 
um, is as we look through this lens of suffering, is coming to the understanding that suffering is one of the primary tools that God uses to work out our sanctification in Christ. And it's in our suffering that we learn to appreciate God's loving presence, his care throughout our lives. And, and we begin to see that God's big purpose for us, according to Romans 8.29, is to conform us to the image of Christ. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, that suffering is like a refiner's fire, that it, it, it heats up the gold so that the gold turns to liquid form and that the scum, the impurities kind of rise to the surface, then they can be skimmed off. That's what God is doing in our lives as believers through yeah. suffering. And that's why Peter uh, speaks of suffering as being part of the will of God for us as believers. The problem yeah. comes is that if the sufferer lens becomes the biggest mm -hmm. lens, yeah. then uh, we may think our, of ourselves as as victims who have fallen prey to just the the events of life, or, or we start to possibly mm -hmm. see ourselves as passive pawns on on the chessboard of life, mm -hmm. so to so to speak. Um, but if we look at our suffering through the big lens of our sainthood, who we are in Christ, our new exalted position, then we can see, okay, God is up to something good in my suffering. I I may not see it right now. I may not actually ever even see it in this lifetime. But God's word makes it clear that he is using this suffering in some way to sanctify me, to become more like Jesus, but also that I might be a more visible witness to the world of the eternal hope that we have in Christ. And, and that's one of the ways that, you know, God uses suffering to mm -hmm. actually spread the gospel, which, of course, we see in Scripture, in the book of Acts and the book right. of Philippians and so on. Um, right. So it, it really helps us, Warren, to understanding that sufferer lens helps us to understand the, the good that God is accomplishing uh, in mm -hmm. us through the pain that we endure. I think you do a really good job of laying a very solid, healthy foundation before you get to that part, because uh, for the person who's a chronic sufferer, if you will, and not by design, but by the din of circumstances. Sure. What you just said, the objection is, but that's not fair. Why would God, why would God think that was good? And how do we intelligently and encouragingly respond to that kind of an objection? Yeah, I think the only way we can is, is by understanding the big purposes of God as much as we can. Of course, there are secret yeah. things, you know, Deuteronomy 29, sure. 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Right. But those things that have been revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So there are some parts of our lives that we will, we will never understand this side of glory, knowing that our the state of our soul is, is so secure in Christ mm -hmm. as saints who are seated in the heavenlies, yeah. And we are the recipients of all of the riches of God's grace in Christ. 
that then really gives us the motivation in yeah. in this world suffer yeah. well in this life i think one of the things that helps in remade is that you that you you lay out all the way through the the encouragement to the to the reader you also lay out really solidly biblically who who is this god you know, you help people understand the, the nature and character of God, because we talk about identity in Christ being the first breakdown. But if people don't really understand the nature and character of God and don't have confidence in that nature and character, they're, they're still going to be in that, that broken place, that place of self-medicating or toxic shame or whatever happens to be. So that the theology of who God is and helping people engraft that in as they go along, I think is really well well laid out. Yeah. I was just going to say that reminds me, Warren, of how important it is for us to reflect on the attributes of God. Mm. I was yeah. just telling someone this past week that more and more, the more and more I counsel people from God's word and, and help them understand God's will for them in their suffering or even, you know, God's purposes in them wrestling with the sin struggles that they have is I find myself more and more beginning with the nature and character and attributes of God. That's that's more and more my starting point because I find that for myself, I'm not looking at myself accurately because I'm not looking at God accurately. And I, I think back to the book of Exodus when God called Moses Moses had two questions for God. Mm -hmm. He said, who are you and who am I? Yeah. And I think essentially that is what we spend our life doing, right. asking yeah. those questions. The question exactly. is, who's, yeah. who's going to answer those for us? Well, we, we have to let God who, who created yeah. us and redeems us in Christ, he has to be the one to answer those questions for us. If, if we answer them, if we invent the answers to those questions, we go astray in in multitude directions. Um, yeah. But if we if we let God's word say this is who God is, and if we let God's word say this is who we are, in our connection to God as a creature, and then when we get saved as a Christian, then it, it, it's incredible the freedom. Yeah. That comes into our lives, knowing that we don't have to create our own identity. Yeah. In the time we've got left, I'd really like to talk a minute. You and I talked about this a little bit, about the cover design, this Kintsugi. Yes. Yeah, I, I love the way the cover turned out. I, I Frankly, I just, um, I just really think PNR Publishing hit it out of the park with this book. Um, yeah. It's just so gorgeous. Uh, to look at and even to hold in my hands. Um, yeah. But as we were, we had a Zoom call uh, over a year ago about the cover and finalizing the title. There were a number of different options for the title. Yeah. And um, my editor, uh, Amanda, she said, Paul, just pretend I don't know anything about this book. I'm just a person that you're talking to and describe your book to me. And mm -hmm. so I started to do that. And one of the things that came out was how God is remaking us in Christ and making us more beautiful than we were before. And that brought back to my memory um, 
a teaching from Johnny Erickson Tata a couple of years ago when I had heard her speak about this Japanese art form called Kintsugi. And of course, Johnny's uh, husband, Ken, is Japanese. And so this has just been a part of something that, that she has really appreciated. But um, so the, the Kintsugi is where they, instead of when the Japanese uh, break a, a, a precious piece of pottery, uh, they don't throw it away like we tend to do. <laughs> we just throw things away. They they instead created this art called kintsugi, where they they mix gold dust with lacquer to create a glue, so to speak. Um, and they they put the pottery back together, and all the joints then become visible with this beautiful gold. And that pottery then actually becomes more valuable than it was before. Yeah. And what an incredible picture sure. of redemption in Christ. That, that God in Christ, God picks us mm-hmm. up. He applies the gold of his grace to our brokenness, mm-hmm. not disguising it, but putting mm-hmm. his grace on display for all to see mm-hmm. and we become more beautiful and of mm-hmm. course in christ are more valuable yes. um, as as redeemed children of god yeah. and so yeah. i just think it's such a beautiful picture yeah. of what god is doing in us uh, as he yeah. remakes yeah. us into the image of christ very beautifully shared um the thing that keep coming to my mind is what you end up with is you end up with a, a work of art that couldn't exist. It's one of a kind, but it couldn't exist without the broken pieces. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right? So it, it's uh, we have a word picture we use about a mosaic where imagine you're walking through the garage with a, a box of uh, Fiesta ware, that bright colored ceramic, and the bottom mm-hmm. of the box drops out and crashes on the floor. What are we going to do? We're going to sweep it up and throw it away. And, and like you're talking about here, God says, no, 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 no. Give me those broken pieces. I got something I want to do with that. Mm. And, be, and he does. He creates a, a work of art that didn't exist before, can't exist without the broken pieces. What we would consider garbage, he considers something that he can turn into a masterpiece. It, 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 it is such an incredible picture, and it so well fits the title and the theme of your book. Um, it, this really, to me, is God's behind this for sure. So we're coming up on the end of our time. Final thoughts, uh, final encouragement, um, not just to the individuals, but people in the who are providing biblical counseling and soul care for, for others about this resource what are your final thoughts well it is um yeah it's a multi-use uh resource i've already heard from numerous people how they're using it in their own private mm-hmm. devotions but i also yeah. recently just heard of a church that bought multiple cases of it because they're going to take all their small groups through it a counselor in wisconsin told me that she is now going to give 
a copy of Remade to every person she counsels as as their going away gift, so to speak, mm. um, so that they continue to remind themselves of mm. who they are in Christ and who are they who they are becoming in Christ. Um, and and so I'm just really thrilled to see uh, God's blessing on on this book, and I just pray that again, yeah. as I said before. I think the effectiveness of a Christian book is that it cannot, it, it, it's most effective when it cannot stand alone apart from uh, you also having your Bible open. So right. in my mind, a good Christian book doesn't supplant the Bible. Yeah. It drives me back into the Bible. Right. And I, and I hope and pray that that is what, happens for many who read this book it drives them back into god's word and really to god in prayer and also to god's people because yeah. that's how we grow yeah yeah that encouragement um the threefold encouragement is is so needed um i really appreciate your voice like i said you you're a very strong voice in the biblical counseling world, not loud, but you're very strong. And I, I've appreciated your work over the years. Um, I really appreciate you being here today. The uh, I'm, I'm So now I'm like, okay, but Paul, what's next? What's the next project? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm working on some children's books right now. Okay. Um, and uh, after that, I'm not sure what's next. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, keep us posted, obviously. Um, the, um, um, I'm looking forward to to seeing what what else God has you um, uh, produce for us. Um, and we want everybody to take a look in the show notes. There's all kinds of links to be able to uh, like Paul's uh, author page on Amazon. Uh, links to uh, the uh, uh, counseling one another and the different places that you can find uh, material from Paul and uh, buy the book. Buy the book. You'd be very glad that you did. So, Paul, thank you so much for being here today. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule. And uh, blessings to you and your family as well. Thank you so much, brother. It's really been a joy to talk with you about these things that are dear to our hearts and the hearts of our listeners. And thanks for your words of encouragement today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the Soul Care Podcast. We pray this has been a blessing and an encouragement for you. We want to leave you with four thoughts to reflect on. Is your identity in Christ or something else? How well do you understand the true nature and character of God? How much confidence do you have in who God is? And how does all of this impact what you are struggling with today? If you desire to learn more, check out the show notes for more resources and information. And please don't forget, you matter to God.